We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Notre Dame fans, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It is Monday, July 26th, and we're about a week and a half away from Notre Dame players and coaches reporting and getting ready for fall camp. So it is an exciting time of the year. I'm Brian Driscoll. I'm the publisher at irishbreakdown.com. And Vince Dadere will be with us very shortly. He is uh, handling some things right now, but we're going to go ahead and dive into today's topic. We're going to do a uh, the topic today, we believe we're in position to do a football 101, football 101 after we are done with that topic. But today we're going to talk about the Notre Dame offense. And, and you know, the premise that, that we have basically with this conversation is when you look at Notre Dame, the defense is there. I think most of us would agree that the defense is there. The defense is where it needs to be for Notre Dame to be a, a championship caliber team. I would even argue that in in the games that Notre Dame has played in the postseason, for the most part, now this year wasn't quite as good. But when you look at obviously LSU in recent years, but then of course Clemson in 2018, I think was a good example of that. I think that Notre Dame is in a position where, you know, their their offense or their defense has been good. I mean, they held they they battled Clemson. Even the points they gave up in 2018, they battled. And they made Clemson work for everything that they got. And and so I think you're in a situation where the defense is where it needs to be. And now it's up to the offense to get up to speed. And when you look at where the defense is, you know, we could maybe contend that there's a couple little things here and there. I would say that there are areas they need to get better. A little bit more consistent in producing negatives, whether it be tackles for loss, sacks and turnovers. Uh, you know, I think handling uh, handling mobile quarterbacks a little bit better maybe than they have in recent seasons. Um, again, maybe a little bit more disruptive at the quarterback. There's some areas where they can get better scheme-wise. There's certainly some areas where they can continue to improve from a talent standpoint. But from a production standpoint, for the most part, they've been there. And with Marcus Freeman now in charge, my optimism is at the very least they're going to stay where they've been. I think there's a good chance they're going to get even better, not just from a scheme and coaching standpoint, but also from a talent standpoint. So I view it as a situation where defense is where it's need to be. Now, where's the offense? This past year, Notre Dame's offense averaged 33.4 points per game. They were 36.1 the year before that against a pretty last two years, pretty mediocre schedules. 
They were around 34.2 back in 2017. They were around 31 in 2018. But that was misleading because they were close to 37 in the regular season in games Ian Book started, or I should say in games since when Ian Book took over, if you include also the 42 points that they scored with Brandon Wimbush, a quarterback, uh, against Florida State. They were around 37 points per game, which is which is good. It's getting closer. But, again, as we saw in the postseason, we saw in the big games, when the when the the defenses were better, the offense struggled to score. and And that really continues to be the problem. When you look at the team's winning championships, right, because isn't that always the goal is compete and win championships? You look at Alabama this past year. So Notre Dame, 33.4 points per game, 448.5 yards per game this past year, 6.2 yards per play. You look at the last three national champions. They averaged 40. This is going to be Bama, LSU, Clemson, 48.5 points per game, 48.4 points per game, 44.3 points per game. That's over 10 points each. 541.6 yards per game, 568.4 yards per game, 527.2 yards per game. At least 80 per team. Two of those teams are over 100 yards more than Notre Dame. Notre Dame, 6.2 yards per play. The last three champs were 7.8, 7.9, and 7.4. So clearly there's a there's a gap, a big gap there between what Notre Dame has been on offense and what those teams have been on offense. Now, I don't believe Notre Dame has to score 44 to 49 points a game to be a championship football team. It's not so much about that end result. It's not so much, hey, Notre Dame goes out and scores 44 points next year, and all of a sudden, hey, they're there, they're going to win a title. That's not what I'm saying. It's about becoming a more explosive and efficient offense. And that's something you've heard me say time and time and time again. And they have to be more explicit, explosive, more efficient. The encouraging thing for me was in a recent interview with Tommy Reese, I'm going to play that for you here in a second. He talked, he basically said it, he used a different term, but he said it. I want to play that interview for you. And then we're going to talk about what that would look like. So we talk about the need for Notre Dame to be here. But today's show, we're going to talk about what that looks like. What exactly is an explosive and an efficient offense? What does that look like? And how can Notre Dame get there? So I'm going to play this interview from Coach Reese, and then we'll dive into it even more. I want to say, you know, let's fast forward past the season, past the postseason, and look back on this offense. How are you hoping that you and other people define your offense? What are the characteristics? What are the traits that you hope people look back and say, the Notre Dame offense was this, not schematic. Hey, they were great at outside zone, but just what is going to be the identity of this team from a just a bigger picture standpoint that's going to lead to you know, a, a successful season? Yeah, I think the first word that comes to mind is aggressive. And that's, that's really what I want to be able to hang our hat on. Look, and, and to back that up, I value efficiency, right? Like that's something that I value in, in offensive football and I value in the game. It's like how efficient can we be to string good plays after another, okay? But for me to take a step back, it's how can we be aggressive yet efficient at the same time? And really the thing I keep coming back to is it's on me to make sure that the quarterbacks understand the balance there. Because if I can call it in a way that's aggressive, but they can make the right decision, then we can still be efficient yet aggressive. And so, look, we, we all know what's out there. We all know you know, what the narrative is and, and what people say and where we need to improve and where we need to continue to be good. But 
at the end of the day, our duty is to win football games and our duty is to put our our team in position to win football games and to play offensive football at a level that allows us to win games. So we're never going to do things just because we're worried about the noise. But I do think that um, with conversations I've had with other coaches, with just some of you know the stuff I've read or, or, or some of the things that I've been able to take a step back from and really study my own my own habits and where we're at um, as an offensive staff, like the area where I want to improve and continue to strive to be is aggressive. And how can we always coach to, to not to lose the game, but to go win the game? And that's something that when we look back after this year, if I can say, hey, I did that, then I'll feel pretty good about where we're at. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So that's uh, those are comments from Tommy Reese in a recent interview with Irish Breakdown. And, you know, as Vince D'Addario joins us, our football analyst joins us, Vince, you know, to me, it was there was a lot of things that he said in that interview that were um, – music to my ears and and you know in that particular part the 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 thing that can concerns me about this Notre Dame offense is are they going to be saying things that hey look we're fine it's we just got to get a little bit better here a little bit better there kind of like what Brian Kelly said after 2015 and coach Reese kind of started to go down that road or at least I thought he was going to go down that road and then he he didn't and he, he started talking about how like look you know, we our job is to win the game, and I thought that's when he was going to start talking about you know. So we did enough to win games, and that's all that matters. But he said, but at the same time, and then he kind of got into the fact that you know there is this need to be explosive and efficient, and and that was kind of good to hear. And then to hear him talk about how a big part of that is the off is the is the quarterback being able to execute things. Obviously, was part of it. That's certainly going to be a huge part of it. But you know, there's there's certain things that we've seen from this offense or haven't seen from this offense, I should say, that we need to see from this offense if they're going to, in fact, be a more explosive unit. And 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 he talked about the term aggressive. And I think aggressive creates an even greater. There's a reason I say explosive and not aggressive. And and from from conversations I've had with Coach Reese, he what he means by that is what we refer to as a, a explosive. So we're going to continue to use it. Because I think when people think aggressive, Vince, they think big shots. Yes, take shots down the field. Down, you know, right. it's it's the big play down Trick the plays, field. Right. Thing. Yeah, that's that's what aggressive means. Yeah. Now, is that a part of being explosive? Absolutely. Yes. yes. Is it the end all be all? No. And in in the conversation we're about to have, it's I'd say at best third most important. Now, it's an important piece. 
But let's dive into this, Vince. And, and, okay. and we kind of talked a little bit about you, you, Vince and I before the show about what we feel an explosive offense needs to be. And this comes from watching teams that are doing it, not just recently, but throughout history. What are those teams do? What you're not going to hear us do is talk about they got to average X number of yards per per game rushing. They got a number average number of yards passing, right? Oklahoma and Ohio State's yards, total yards and points are going to look very similar to what Clemson and Alabama did the last couple of years and, and, and LSU. But their rushing yards are going to look a whole lot different. For example, sure. in 2019, LSU won the national title averaging 48.4 points per game, averaging 166.8 rushing yards per game. In 2018, Clemson won the national title over averaging over 44 points a game, and that includes only scoring 30 against Notre Dame, right, which dragged their average down. And then they did it with seven and a half yards per play, and they did it with 248.2 rushing yards per, per game, only 279 passing yards per game compared to 401.6 for LSU. That's not that's not explosive, right? That's not what we're talking about. It can look a lot of different ways, but there are ingredients that go into all those all offenses, whether you're talking about run, pass, all those kind of things. And that's what we want to dive into, Vince. In the first one, and again, this is going to build on 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 each other, right? But the first okay. one to me is tempo. And Vince, explain kind of what what we mean by tempo. Why why tempo is important? What it, why tempo is important, but also what tempo is not, so that people <laughs> understand what we what we are referring to when we say there needs to be, you need to be able to play with tempo offensively. So we are not referring. I'll start with that part first. We are not referring to, you know, hustling to the line and getting a playoff within ten seconds. You're of saying Oregon twenty ten. That's not yeah, what we're talking about. That, that is not what we're talking about. We're not, we're not talking about the greatest show on turf, like speed wise. You know what I mean? Like that. That is not what we're talking about. What we are talking about. And it, look, no team huddles anymore. So I'm not. I'm not talking about. Hey, we just don't want to huddle like that. Look, Notre Dame, when they are running their offense past few years, they're they're very methodic about it. Now, are they huddling? No. Now, there was a few games where they did huddle because they thought that their signs were getting stolen by Clemson and things like that. That's good. I have no problem with that, right? That was a direct – uh, Great mind games by Clemson that, too, by that, the way. And that's awesome. Getting, like, you're I, getting them out of what they do. What they want to do, yes. Right. But Notre Dame – they were not huddling, but they would get to the line, you know, and they would look Very over. Methodical. It was, and they weren't hustling to the line. I mean, they were getting to the line, right? And there's a big difference uh, between hustling to the line and then just getting to the line, looking over. What we're talking about tempo-wise is hustle to the line, like get to the line, right. get in your formation, get ready to go. If you need to look over to the line, then that's fine. You look over to the sideline, you get the play, and then you go, right? It's not okay, we're here, we're looking at all the signs and blah, blah, blah. Like, it needs right. to be faster than that. And it's hustling to the line. And the difference is when you're methodic to the line, defense can still make subs. They can still do some different right. things. Notre Dame was subbing in and out, even though they weren't huddling. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking right. about keeping the same uh, personnel, getting to the line quickly, you know, moving things along a little bit. You can look to the line real quick. Okay, now we go, Yeah, right? 
that prevents the defense from subbing. So you're going to keep them in the same package, you know, things of that nature. Some teams are going to be good at that. Some teams are not going to be good at right. that. It has to be, you, know, you have to think about that, but it's, it's moving things along a little bit faster. The other part of it too is, is by being more methodical in how you approach offense, it allows the defenses to get into the calls they want to do. Exactly. It yes. allows them. So like when you're playing Georgia, for example, Georgia likes to do a lot of line games before the snap partly why Notre Dame had some false starts against them in 2019 where the whole, f- the whole front will just shift quickly in one direction. Right. right? <clears throat> this eliminates that. Cause then you run the risk of your, your mid shift and we're You're snapping shift the ball out of going. it completely. Right? Yeah. Correct. It allows them to get into more complex calls. Hey, let's get this call in and it allows them to see, identify how Notre Dame is lining up and then get lined up accordingly and then make the right call. Now, there's always going to be times, even even you watch Oklahoma, there's plenty of times they snap the ball with under 10 seconds left. But but they're getting lined up there quickly. They're pressing the defense, seeing what the defense is going to do, and then quickly getting a call. So then they're snapping the ball as the defense is trying to make their adjustments to whatever it is Oklahoma's doing. And so, again, it, it can, does it, can it mean at times, hey, we're just going to come out and we're going to go really fast. We're going to run three plays this drive, okay? So we're going to line up. We're going to get the first two plays called, right? And this is what you'll do, too. So you're, you're in the sideline, your offense is together. Hey, listen, we're going to go with two calls. And heck, I've seen D3 teams do this. I know Notre Dame can do this. We're going to go with two calls. On the first play, we're going to run this. Barring something bad happening, we're going to line up immediately and go to this. And, you know, so we're going to call, you know, we're going to call outside zone on the first play. Okay. Second play, we're going to call, you know, play action shot, whatever. Okay. And so you can line up and get quick. And then if you have success with your first two plays and all of a sudden you, you keep it going, right? Mm-hmm. And you know as a coordinator, I've only got a couple calls. We're just going to go with a couple calls this series. We're not going to have our whole repertoire because we're just trying to screw with you now at this point in time. <laughs> and then now they're going to be, you know, spend the whole next series, like how do they adjust to the tempo? And then you're not doing tempo. You're going to line up real quick. You're going to go. You're going to make that first call. You're going to then hustle up to the line. They're going to think you're doing it again. And then you're going to do this. And then all of a sudden, you know, either they jump or you do that, and then you look to the sideline, you get your play call. And then Tommy Reese said in that interview that when when they did the whole look to the sideline to get the right call thing, they were really good is what he noted. So they looked at the data and said, hey, when we get lined up quickly and then we you know get a, get a check-in, we, we, we were pretty effective. Yeah. Well, in order to do that, you have to be quick. You can't do that with three seconds left on the clock. And that's what would happen last year a lot is they would they would do that, but they were so kind of methodical getting lined up that then they had to hustle around real quick, get the right call, and then quickly snap the ball. Well, when you snap the ball with under five seconds, the defense knows the ball's about to get snapped. Exactly. And they're prepared. And they know there's only so much you can or can't do. Plus, now you've just made a check with five seconds left, and you're quickly trying to hustle and get lined up. You don't have time for communication, certainty of execution, and all that kind of stuff. So tempo, to me, is a part of it. And again, we're not talking about the breakneck, you know, Oregon offense of 2010 here with Chip Kelly. That's not what we're talking about. But I do think that tempo, and I think that teams that are really effective, in my opinion, a lot of times, Vince, there are teams that effectively mix up tempo. Exactly. And, and I think that's where Notre Dame would be. Is there never going to be? super fat they weren't really like that at cincinnati either that's that's a common misconception about cincinnati's cincinnati was not a a they were not like oregon they 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 ran with tempo but it wasn't like what we saw at oregon or teams like that that just isn't who they were the second piece to, to me in explosive offense vince is you have to be balanced and here's what balance is not (laughs) 
X number of running plays versus X number of pass plays. Like the percentages. Or X, you right. Know, X number of runs. Yeah. Right. Rush yards to uh, balance Vince is really easy. You have to be effective at both. You have Correct. to be explosive and efficient at both. Meaning, yeah, you got something to say. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say. Go so, ahead. so for example, let's talk about the 2018 Clemson game. Okay. Clemson defensively said, look, Notre Dame's not going to throw the ball on us. So we're going to pack the box and we're going to make them beat us through the air. Okay. Right. Because Notre Dame wasn't balanced. So balance, well, the balance that we're talking about is if a team's going to do that, you can throw the ball effectively and force them to get out of that. Right. And if they're going to overplay the pass game, well, you can run the ball effectively and force them to get out of that. You, you being balanced keeps the defense balanced, right? right? And it keep, and it doesn't allow them to overplay one thing or the other to, uh, to negatively affect they what still you're trying can, to do offensively. But you can make a pay can. for it. There you go. And, yes. and that's what happened on – because I think the game you pointed out is a great example, Vince. Because what Notre Dame also said to Clemson was, you're not going to – we're taking the run game away. You have to take something away. Say, hey, we're sure. going to make you beat us with something different. Well, for about almost two full quarters, Clemson couldn't do that. They had nine points. Right. Three of those points came off a short field. They had like one good drive. That was it. Well, then what happened in that game? Clemson hit about two big plays and two big pass plays. And all of a sudden, just like that, it was 23 to three. Two right. big pass plays. Yep. And then third quarter, they come out. Clemson can't move the ball again in the third quarter. Then all of a sudden, because Notre Dame is so committed to making a play because they were behind, Clemson rips off a big run play. Clemson played better than Notre Dame did on five plays in that game. That was it. Yeah. Those five plays led to 30 to three. Yeah. Right. Notre Dame could not take advantage of similar plays, had opportunities, but they couldn't make the plays in the pass game to do it. Now, there's other times where, you know, when you look at certain teams like, you know, to me, Alabama this year, I, I look at Alabama and I say, you know, there's this is a team that to me was a, a team that was built around throwing the football. Right now, they you know they talk about Steve Sarkeesian talks about we were balanced, we were balanced, we were balanced. And it's like, well, you look at the numbers, you really weren't. You averaged three hundred fifty eight point two passing yards per game, and you averaged one hundred eighty three point five rushing yards per game. No one that views balance from a percentage or yardage standpoint is going to look at Alabama and think they were overly balanced this year. But the key to Alabama was you could take away certain things that they did, and it wouldn't matter. Right, they could still beat you. Right. And and so to me, that's something I look at. So Texas A&M came into that Alabama game and they said Alabama's not running on us because that's what Alabama had kind of always prided itself on. So they so they only rushed for 109 yards against Texas A&M, but they threw for 435. You know, then there was other games where teams said, hey, look, we're going to we're going to limit your ability to throw the football. You know, Notre Dame basically said, hey, you're, you're not going to throw the ball downfield on us. So Alabama said, OK, fine, we're going to run the ball. We're going to have our quick game. We're going to have our screens. We're going to have our. We're, we're going to have other ways to beat you. You look at LSU in 2019. Vince is another great example of, you know, they were a team that clearly was a team that was built around throwing the football. I mean, clearly built around that. Well, if, if you look at some of their games, I mean, their their pass game they threw for a good amount of yards against Auburn, but Auburn did a pretty good job, in my opinion, of that game of of making them a little bit less efficient in the pass game. And so LSU had to had to ramp up a little bit of the run game. You know, they forced a turnover in that game, and L LSU went out and you know ran the ball ahead and had some big plays effectively in the run game, and then that opened up opportunities for the pass game later. And, and so basically. 
we're good at whatever we need to do. And we can beat you mm-hmm. running. We can beat you throwing down the field. We can beat you throwing intermediate. We can beat you throwing short. We can do all those kind of things. That's what balance is. If you're a one-dimensional offense, you're going to be in trouble. And that's why that's something that's helped Oklahoma in most of these playoff games is, is, you know, you look at, you look at Oklahoma against Alabama in 2018. I mean, it was 45 to 34, I believe was the final, but Oklahoma could move the ball on Alabama. Mm -hmm. Their problem was more defensively. I mean, most teams you score, look, you score 34 points against Alabama. You've done a pretty good job offensively, right? I mean, I mean, that's, that's really the thing. I, I think for me, what has hurt, Oklahoma is you look at earlier in their tenure, some of their bigger games, Clemson, Texas back in 2015. Uh, you know, you look at Houston in 2016, game all games they lost. Oklahoma rushed for less than hundred yards in those games. And and that's kind of what what's gonna but you look at fast forward to 2017, you know, they they go to overtime against Georgia, almost beat Georgia. That was a very competitive game. They ran for over 200 yards that game. More balance equals greater success in my opinion and that to me is where where it needs to be i mean notre dame needs to obviously they need to get there so third point vince is you have to be able to attack the perimeter of the defense notice we didn't say you have to be able to attack the perimeter of the defense with the pass game or the run game we just said you have to be able to attack the perimeter and ideally it needs to be happening in a lot of different ways i think for me vince there are there are really four ways to attack the perimeter here that I'm referring to, and you can add some to it if you want. Number one, we're both going to agree. You have to be able to get the ball outside with your run game and screen game. And to me, those two things go hand in hand. Because you, you, you've got players, and, and it's not just, hey, we're going to force these guys to do that out on the perimeter. You know, We're going to get the ball out to Miles Boykin and, and Chase Claypool and whatever. No, they've got the personnel that I want the ball in their hands on the perimeter. Like that, that – fits this group that yeah. we you need the ball right uh out and it needs to always hands. be a part of who they are which is why we've focused yes. so much on how they recruit yes you, you need to build absolutely. to that point as well absolutely this year they do have that potential and they need to use a lot utilize it effectively and that to me pass game wise that's all three levels that you need to be able right. to attack the perimeter downfield you need to, be able to protect the perimeter on the on the intermediate stuff. And that's something that made that 2018 offense so good, Vince, because they yes. would outcut you and come back you. And I mean, Ian was so good in 2018 on those perimeter, intermediate perimeter throws to Miles Boykin and Chase Claypool. You, you, you remember that? I mean, they would just, he just bang those, you know, deep outcuts and he'd bang those comebacks and, and, and those throws like that. And then, of course, the other piece to this, did you want to add something to that part, Vince? Well, I was just going to say the reason that we that you want to attack the perimeter right it, look look at the defense okay the more you can spread them out it's just like basketball if you can if you can get guys out of the lane okay you can spread them out the better you're going to be offensively right well it's the same thing for football look if we're if you show that as an offense that you can go sideline to sideline with throwing the ball talk, on the perimeter you can get it Short perimeter, medium perimeter, long perimeter, right? Corner routes, fade routes, whatever. If you can prove that you can, you know, hit that perimeter, you're going to spread the defense out. They have to respect that, right? Whether it's going to be the linebackers getting out more, whether it's going to be the corners, the safeties, whatever. And then it opens up the middle. Okay. So that's why being a sideline to sideline team is so important offensively because you want to spread that defense out. 
right? I mean, that's the that's the modern way that offenses are doing their thing. They're spreading defenses out, and it allows their playmakers to be in space. And that's that's what this team is good at this year, I think. So let's show a clip based on that. And, and again, attacking the perimeter to me, the last two pieces are you also need to be able to do it with your quick game in your yes. RPOs. Oh, that's absolutely. why RPOs yes. are so important. But let's look at this against against uh, L- at Clemson last year in the ACC title game. This is one of the disadvantages to how Notre Dame lines up in place. Look at look at how Clemson is playing Notre Dame. They're playing Notre Dame saying, I dare you to throw the football. I yeah. dare you. Look look at the number. Of, I'm going to pull this up here. Look at the number of players they had so close to the line of scrimmage. They had really nine guys right <laughs> yeah. there. Yes, they do. Right? And that was something we saw a lot. You want to know a big reason why Kyron Williams only averaged 5.3 yards per carry? Because he was running into that consistently. Mm-hmm. Walls. Because what Notre Dame did not do last year is show the ability to really beat you on the perimeter. They could occasionally beat you downfield with the vertical game to Javon McKinley, but they weren't they weren't afraid of, of Ben Skaronic catching a quick ball here. They weren't afraid of a quick RPO happening. They they weren't afraid of that at all. They weren't afraid of a quick perimeter screen. They knew based on what they saw from Notre Dame that the lack of RPOs in the offense, the lack of really the the any kind of explosiveness on the perimeter made Notre Dame very easy to defend when they went to their 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 12 personnel. And that's what Notre Dame has lined up in here is 12 personnel, 12 personnel being uh, one one running back, two tight ends. So you have your running back here, right? And then you have tight end right here, tight end one, and this is tight end two, right? And then you have two receivers. Well, when Notre Dame did that, teams just said, okay, there's a very high percentage that they're going to run the ball. And if they are going to throw, it's going to be to this guy, not that guy. That was Tommy Tremble. Because Tommy was only, as I said, only 37% of the plays he was in the game did he run a pass route compared to 59% for Michael Mayer. That's a tell. That's something that a sure. good, well-coached defensive team is going to say, okay, we know they're not going to use that guy. It's also not a coincidence that, that Notre Dame did use utilize Tommy Tremble early in the game against Clemson in, in November, and the offense was moving when they used their second tight end to throw the football. So when you look at that, Vince, you say, this is what we're referring to. If you can't force teams out of the box, you're this is the point you were talking about, is you're, you're going to have a hard time really having the kind of effectiveness in the big games that you need to have. Absolutely. And and, and look, just looking at that, can you pull that back up real quick, Brian? Sure. I, I just want to – like as an offensive coordinator, why and – I, and I realize that there's a lot more going on here – but Clemson is basically giving Notre Dame they're, – they're, you're right. They're daring Notre Dame to throw the ball. And FYI, it, this was an early down situation. This wasn't like third and two. I'm not sure. like – Yeah. I'm not trying that, that's to even worse, spin it, right? This is a – well, that's – yeah. if this was a third and two, it would be a more understandable alignment for both teams. Sure. Third and one. This right. is a base down is the, is the reason that I'm showing this. I mean, if you have any faith in your, throw, in your passing game whatsoever – you're, you're having uh, the field receiver run a slant right now. Right. Boom. And well, it's not, the way, see, look at this cornerback. The way that this corner right here is playing, he is basically saying, hey, I'm going to play an out cut, right? Yes. So what I what, what you know what, what Clemson or what Bama would do right here is they'd run an RPO, right? They'd run an RPO would basically get him, mm-hmm. these two guys blocking, right? Mm-hmm. Which is going to keep this guy and this guy playing run. Correct. If you just drop back, then this guy jumps underneath it, right? 
But if you're going to do an RPO here, you're running the ball. It's not a play action. You are running the ball. Every tell is going to have that linebacker thinking, I got to squeeze on Kyron Williams. What Bama would do is they would have him lean outside because Man. when the, the, the reason he's playing the this way, the, the reason this corner is playing with this technique, okay, is because he says, I'm going to take away your inside. I'm, I'm going to, I want you to go outside and then I'm going to take that outside, right? So he's playing inside leverage and he's forcing outside. He wants to jump that mm-hmm. outside. Well, Alabama would lean that out and then break that off underneath, whether it be a slant or an undercut. That's what they they call their glance route. It's it, it allows for some adjustment by the receiver based on how the defender's playing. But you're going to have a nice window here, right, to, to be effective. And Notre Dame doesn't have that, and he knows that they don't have that. He right. knows that everything that they're going to do is going to be vertical. Uh, that would be the big thing. So when you look at that, you say that's a that's a box you're going to have a hard time running into. Now, look, here's the deal. Most of the teams on Notre Dame's schedule are not good enough to stop Notre Dame last year with the line they had and the run game they had. We're not good enough to stop Notre Dame even when they knew it was coming. Yeah. Can't do that against Clemson. And that, and that's you know, the and that, Look, the overall issue that we have with Notre Dame's offensive philosophy right now is that look, nine, 10, sometimes 11 games out of the season, Notre Dame can just line up and run whatever they want, and it's not going to matter. They're, they're still going to be better than the team that's across from them. And they'll, and look, that's a testament to what Brian Kelly has done with this team. They He has put Notre Dame in position to be better than 90% of the teams that they're going to play on a regular basis, okay? And they can run whatever they want, and it's not going to make a hill of beans difference uh, what they're running. They're still going to win that game. Okay, because they have a dominant defense and they're better than the guys across from them. What we're t- what we're saying, what this whole show is about, it's about okay. Notre Dame needs to take that next step, and you need to use some philosophy when the guys you're going up against are either better than you or equal to you, right? And the only time Notre Dame is really going to see that is if okay they play Clemson in the regular season or. Obviously, somebody on their schedule is going to step up. Let's say USC, you know, steps up and gets a lot better, or when they're in the playoff, and and that's when Notre Dame has struggled because they can't just line up and do what they do, right? Mm-hmm. They have to advance their philosophy a little bit offensively, and that's the whole point of what we're talking about right now. Let's show a clip of of the first game. You know, Clemson had obviously a lot of success moving the ball on Notre Dame. This is a clip from the no, the November seventh game, right? Look at the difference. Notre Dame cannot put – they've got six in the box. Now, you mm-hmm. could argue a seven here if they're going to run perimeter run here, right? You've got a seventh guy there. But Notre Dame has to has to spread out. Now, you can get him here, but you even even with a great player like Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, Clemson was able to take advantage of that spacing. There was a particular play – this is Amari Rodgers right here. There was a particular play in that game where Jeremiah Wusu got in space against Amari Rodgers. It was – he kind of got – looks to play the run was a second late getting out to Mari Rogers. So what does Amari Rogers do? He catches a ball, makes Jeremiah miss in space. And all of a sudden a five yard pass turns into almost a 30 yard gain right. against the best linebacker in college football last year. Cause even the best linebacker in college football is going to get beat at times in space. It's just going to happen. I don't care who you are. Uh, so that's the thing is now does, does that mean Notre Dame has to come out and line up like this every play? No, it's not what we're saying at all. But you have to be able to hurt teams when you are going to line up the way that Notre Dame lines up. And, and that's our point is you have to be able to do things schematically 
to say, hey, look, we're going to line up this way, but if you try to overplay us in a certain way, we're still going to hurt you. And I think that's the key for Notre Dame. Uh, when, when you when you get into the situation is they have to be able to say, hey, look, we're going to make you pay in a lot of different ways. So here's another key to being a, an explosive offense, Vince, and that is you have to be able to scheme for success. Uh, what that means is it, it actually means several things. And we, we talked about this before the show. It means, number one, it's not just about building around what you do best. It's also about designing schemes to attack what where they're weak. Not just weak from a schematic standpoint, but also weak from a personnel standpoint. Notre Dame needs to do a better job of that. It, it's about being able to use formations and shifts and alignment, something that I think Notre Dame does and will continue to do be even better at, is using those type of things to say, hey, we're going to use motions and shifts and, and personnel to get an isolation against that we want. We want this guy matched up against that guy. It's something Tommy Reese talked about in the interview. And, and sometimes that means our W is going to be in the slot one play because we really want to get our our you know this receiver lined up in this particular way. And so those things are all going to mean, mean different things at different times, Vince, and that's going to be a really important piece of it. And then – you know, to, to, to me, the final piece of scheming for success, and this is kind of where Coach Reese got into it, is it that's where efficiency comes from, too. Scheming for, scheming for success means you have to be great on first down. And if you get into a bunch of second and shorts and, you know, second and one to four, you're, you know, the world's your oyster. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Because there's nothing you can't do. You can do a double reverse throwback attempt, and if it's incomplete – second it's third and manageable you can still run on third down you know in those situations and so Notre Dame has to be really good on first down and they have to move the chains they efficiency also involves moving the chains last year Notre Dame got there third down Notre Dame was as good as anybody in the country I mean they were seventh I think in the country last year in third down and and so there was a, a good deal of efficiency that they had last year. They had the efficiency part down last year. They didn't have the explosive part, which is why when they played Clemson in the ACC title game, when Clemson was healthy, and when they played Bama, the offense couldn't do anything because you didn't have the explosiveness. But if you go fast, you know, rewind to the November 7th game, Notre Dame ripped off some big plays in the first half, and it helped them be more successful offensively. You had the Kyron Williams long run. You had a couple big gains from Javon McKinley in the first half. Well, in the second half, Notre Dame lost all that. They were they were just trying to go back to running the football, and they did nothing in the second half offensively until the final drive when they opened it up and got the ball down the field again. So to me, that again, you have to just be you have to be explosive and efficient. But look, it's hard to be. You can also err on the other side. Sure, I would argue the 2017 Notre Dame offense was as explosive as any team in the country. I mean, they could go for 80 on any particular play. If you remember that with Brandon Wimbush and Josh Adams, Dexter Williams. I mean, how many 80, 70-plus yard runs did they have that year? I mean, they had – I mean, you think Wimbush had a 60-something yard touchdown run. Uh, he had a 50-yard touchdown run uh, against Wake Forest. Josh Adams had how many 60-plus yard – I mean, like, what, five of 60 or more at least. Dexter Williams had some long runs. Heck, Deion McIntosh was ripping off some yeah. long runs in games. Yes, you know was. what I mean? But – what that team lacked was efficiency. They were home run or bust. They were kind of like the Adam Dunn of college football that year. You know, they were either going to hit a home run or strike out. You know, when they couldn't hit home runs against Alabama or I mean against Georgia, 
they couldn't score. They couldn't hit home runs against Miami. They couldn't score. Well, the last couple teams that they've had, especially the 20, 2020 team, they couldn't really hit the home runs, but they had the efficiency part. So, you know, both ways will get you to the dance. But if you want to beat Clemson in, in one of those big games, you want to beat Bama, you want to beat Ohio State, you want to beat, you know, Georgia, Oklahoma in those big games, and we're talking postseason, you have to have both. And that's where Notre Dame has lacked. Is, is in, Look, and what we're saying is you've got to be great on third down. You've got to move the chains because the more times you move the chains, the more opportunities there are for you then to hit that next big play. And, and so, you know, you, you can't be three and out, three and out, and then 70-yard touchdown, three and out, three and out, 70-yard touchdown, you know, four and out, four and out, 70-yard touchdown. That's going to look great, but you got 20, 21 points. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we had right. three 70 yards. You have to, you have to, it's, it's about adding them both. And to me, that's the, that's a key ingredient to, to being an explosive. And that's why we've always said Vince explosive and efficient. It's, we always put those two together. Well, and I I would be remiss if we didn't bring up the red zone too, Brian, because Notre Dame, what, two years ago and three years ago was really good in the red zone. And then well, last during Chip year, Long's tenure, they were really yeah. I mean, they were excellent in the red and, zone. And, and then last year it just kind of fell off the map. They went they were like 120 plus. 102nd. Uh, 102nd. Okay, yeah. there you go. If it's third if it's three digits, I don't really care where it is in the three digits. Three digits is yeah. bad. Uh if you're being ranked amongst all the uh NCAA teams. And well, look, look just real quick to add context, yeah. Vince. Yeah. The, the last three national champs in red zone offense have ranked eighth, Bama, second LSU, and Clemson was the worst at 31st. There you go. I mean, you, you have to be efficient in the red zone. You have once you get down there, you got to score touchdowns because because mm-hmm. field goals aren't going to do it, right? I mean, you have to score touchdowns. And Notre Dame has proven that they could be they can do that. It's just last year they did not do that very well, and right. it hurt them. It, it really did hurt. They were great between the twenties, but as soon as they got to that end zone or that red zone, it was rough. They were not scoring touchdowns, and that that bit them. Yeah. And you know, I mean, last year, last year to me, they 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 finally got really good at at um, it, it, on third down. But bef- the year before, when they were great, here's the thing: it's 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 the issue with Notre Dame, Vince, is they're never able to do it all at once. So last year they were great on third down, finished seventh in the country. The year before, but they were bad on in the red zone. The year before they were great in the red zone, but they were bad on on third down. They were 65th on third down. Yeah. That's the problem. It's never both of them at the same right. time. You need to right. be you need to be just right. as good in the red zone as they were during the Chip Long era, but then also as good as they were on third down last year. And we talked a lot last year, Vince. Is I thought Tommy Reese had some really creative third down calls that we would sometimes say, "Hey, why don't you do that more on first and second down?" You yeah. know, like so. For an example, I think it was Pitt. Uh, you know, it was an example where they motioned Avery Davis down. He started out outside, I believe, but he motions down inside. They use the 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 guy that was up front, and he runs off the coverage, and then Avery just kind of does a delay outcut, and it's about as easy of a third and five pickup as you're ever going to have because you schemed your way into success. You said, hey, we're going right. to isolate Avery on a guy that he has out leveraged. We're going to run off the the second level coverage with the inside with the the receiver at the ball, and we're going to get Avery in, in an isolation, and he's going to get open for a five yard gain. That that's great. That's scheming for success. Correct. The problem is, is we didn't see that same kind of creativity a lot on first and second now because of the of the identity that they wanted to have, which is we're just gonna 
We're going to run it at you and take some shots downfield. But doesn't that give you hope? Because we've yeah. seen we've seen yeah. them be creative, and I, I guess right. I, we've seen Tommy Reese be well, creative. We saw it in the spring down. game too. I right. mean, we saw a similar concept in the spring game to Chris Tyree, where they went empty, right? And and I'd have to find the play, but they went empty, and they used the inside receiver to kind of run off, and then Tyree ran a pivot route. And he got open in the flat. I should have found that play before uh, before we came here. We could have pulled it up on the on the chalkboard. But you know that's an example of what we're talking about here. They they wanted to. They had five guys in a route, but they had one guy they were trying to get the ball to on that particular play, right? And that was Chris Tyree. And so they schemed it. They they schemed it from a formational standpoint pre snap. Right. Then they they used the motion to kind of get him stacked. And then they then they ran him off, and then they used him to to run a different kind of route. So I mean, to me. That's we've seen it. We've exactly. seen them do it. Now gives me hope. And, and again, we have. If we're going to be fair, for all of our criticism that we had of the offense last year, and I believe it was justified, they didn't have their two most explosive players for ninety-five percent of the season. Yeah, you know, Kevin Austin and Braden Lindsey were yeah. neither were healthy ever, fully healthy last year. And and look, in, in from a coaching standpoint, when you go into a season and you are planning your offense uh you know around two explosive players and look i have no problem with that that's a great way to run your offense i I have no problem with that but when those guys both go down you're like well let's go back to what we do i you know Mm -hmm. you there is a point and i realize there's six days in between games and there's all these different excuses that you can make but when you spent the entire offseason you spent the entire fall camp getting ready for an offense and and it revolves around you know two guys and those guys go down. That's tough. That is really. And, and really they didn't hard. necessarily view that. They didn't necessarily look at their other receivers and say, "Hey, that guy can do what Braden can do." Right. Exactly. And they can't. Or they that guy or, can uh, do what Kevin can do. I believe me. that Jordan yeah. Johnson could have done some of the things that Kevin sure. Austin could do. I do. I believe. But again, that's a different conversation for a different day. They didn't necessarily want right. to say, "Let's throw freshmen into that very important right. role that we've been." And I get. That. I, I do. Can I throw out another thing before we dive back into the show, sure. Vince? Part of me wonders if deep down Brian Kelly knew, understandably, that last year's team was not one that was going to compete for a title. Like, and I don't necessarily disagree. I I don't think that team, when they lost the players they lost, was necessarily a team that was going to go play Alabama and beat Alabama if unless Alabama made a bunch of mistakes. Sure. I don't think they viewed themselves as. I mean, because it wasn't a, it wasn't as necessarily good of a team and all around as some of the previous teams, in my view. And maybe they just said, hey, look, this is what we got to do to win as many games as possible. We know we're going to have a hard time beating those teams at the end of the day. But that's also why they looked a little bit more creative and, and a little open things up a little bit more in the first half against Clemson last year. Because I don't think they I don't think they knew. I think they knew that they couldn't just line up and ground and pound against Clemson. And and when they had that early run success, right? That long run to Kyron Williams, that then opened up some opportunities that they took advantage of with the pass game, getting Tommy Tremble involved, taking some sheep, deep shots to Javon McKinley, things that we didn't necessarily see it much of in the last two games of the season. So that that that's part of it too. I I wonder. That's just con- pure pure con- yeah. conjecture on my part. Absolutely. But part of me wonders that, and but they look at this team and say, okay, these guys are healthy. Xavier Watts is older. Lawrence Keys is back on track. You know, Lawrence got had some sicknesses he'd but dealt with last yeah. year too. It wasn't just, and then the whole COVID aspect of it. Like, look, yeah, we know we can do this. 
Mm-hmm. We know we can line up and we can run it down people's throats and stop them from scoring. And we look at our schedule and ain't that tough. Mm-hmm. We got like really one good team on our schedule, well, two good teams on our schedule. That's it. We can just kind of roll the ball. I mean, think about how bad they played against Louisville and Duke and still won both games. <laughs> you know what True. I mean? Like, no, you're right. You know, we can just roll the ball out and beat 10 of the teams on our schedule or not, you know, eight or nine of the teams of the schedule, which is true. Yeah. It, it yeah. it's true. Right? That, yeah. And that's and that's what I'm saying. Look, you can you can be how do I want to say this? You can be upset that Notre Dame isn't competing with the big boys the way we want them to compete with the big boys and and that is a justifiable uh you know, uh, emotion. It, it, I have it. I have it. But you also have to appreciate what Brian Kelly has done up to this point getting Notre Dame to the point where they can beat most of the teams on their schedule just by lining up and going. Because that wasn't the case when Brian Kelly took over. Oh, heck no. it, it just wasn't. So, you know, the, there's there are positives here, right? But we believe that they can take that next step, right? right. So I think I'm repeating myself, I feel no, like. But it's, okay. it's it's so important to, for people You're to You're starting understand. to get fired up. That's why. Yeah, it's so important to understand that this isn't the same Notre Dame team that we were talking about 15 years ago, 10 years ago. This is a different team. This is a team yeah. that can beat 95% of the teams out there just by showing up and being a dominant team. It's just there is another level. There's another level if they want to win a national championship. Real real quick, too, one other piece of that uh, of scheming for success is you have to keep teams off balance. Mm-hmm. You do that personnel-wise. You do that with motions and shifts, and, and you do it with tempo, and you do it with play calls. You know, mm-hmm. like, hey – one series when we may come out and do this, the next series when we may come out and do that. That is also something that makes me very excited for this team is because you can come out one series and, I mean, you could literally go three tight ends and two backs on one, first down. You have three tight ends lined up. You have two backs and you run the football. The next series you could be empty with that same personnel and, and be dangerous. Yes, exactly. And, and so because, again, what are you going to do defensively? Are you going to keep your base defense in? Then we're just going to run it down your throat the entire series, mm-hmm. right? And, right? Or take some shots to our tight ends or our backs out of the backfield. If you go to big personnel, which a lot of teams do, you're going to put an extra linebacker. Well, that's fine. We're going to, we're going to empty it out, and we're going to ISO you know, Kyron Williams on a linebacker or safety, or we're going to have Michael Mayer ISOed against a corner. You know where he's going to be able to use his size. So I'm not saying you're going to do that all game, but that's a nice little wrinkle you can throw at sure. And then the next series, you can go ten personnel, one back, zero tight ends, four receivers, and be right. just as dangerous. And so those are the things that I look at and say, you have to be able to te- keep teams off balance. What did Alabama do? Probably sixty-five to seventy percent of their snaps in the first half against Florida in the SEC title game. They went twelve personnel, two tight ends. I mean, it just it, it, it kept floor. It, it forced Florida to say, "Hey, look." They got Najee Harris in the backfield and two tight ends. We have to we have to respect the the run game a little bit more. And so then, what did Alabama do? That use they use that to attack down the field. You know, play action shots hitting Devontae on a crosser. You know, for a big play for a touchdown because Bama had to, or Florida had to respect that run game. That opened up Devontae on a on a drag over top for you know in between the safeties and underneath the safeties and over top of the linebackers for a big play. Yeah. And so you're keeping teams off balance. That's a big piece. And then the yep. final piece is you have to be able to take some shots. You right. have to be able to throw the ball down the field effectively. That's and we know that that's what we know that's what people think about when we talk about being explosive. It's those long bombs, you know, all of those different things. And look, is that exciting? <laughs> Absolutely it is. You know, and is that part of being explosive? Absolutely it is. But it's a piece. 
I mean, an important piece. It's a piece that right. needs to be there. Like we, th there has to be a trigger man. There has to be somebody willing to do that. And there has to be that. There has to be a play caller willing to call those plays as well to stretch the defense. We talked about stretching the defense sideline to sideline, how that's important. Well, you also need to stretch the defense front to back. You know, you want to spread that defense out. If they're not afraid of you going over the top, guess what? Those safeties are going to be peeking up. They're, they're going to have their eyes and in the back. And that includes field. against the pass game. The, the screens, the art, and those things become less effective. And they can blow up those slants downhill. and they can blow up right. all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. But if there is a threat of the deep ball, then that opens up everything that's intermediate and underneath. So it is an important piece to this. It's just not the only piece to this. And I think that's what a lot of people think about when we talk about being explosive. So uh, I Notre Dame has the ability to do everything that we just talked about. And I, I am optimistic that there are pieces of this that are going. we're going to see. I, I really am confident that, uh, of that. Um, I just hope that it all comes together and, and, and does what we think it's going to do. But it's definitely possible. I'm going to give three specifics, Vince, that I think we need to see from Notre Dame to get here. Okay. okay. Now, there's a lot to it, but there's three things that we need to see that we haven't seen a lot of. Again, Notre Dame's got a lot of those pieces already in place, right? There are yeah, certainly pieces right. that are in place. Number one, and and this is people know you have to have RPOs have to be a part of what you do. No in doubt. In my opinion. I'm usually not one of those people that says, hey, you have to do A, B, or C, because I think there's all types of different ways to be successful. But I believe in today's era, the way that defenses play, the fact that teams put so much speed on the field now defensively, you, you have to – you have to be able to have success throwing the ball, you know, have, or using RPOs. You have to be able to have ways that if team if a team is going to line up a certain way, you have to have built in beaters for that. It's like back in the day we would design blitz beaters on third down. Right. Hey, look, we know that these are the five blitzes they like to bring on third down. Here's the two or three concepts that we can call that we can beat them. Now you've got like basically built in run game beaters every time you throw the ball, or every time you call a run play. That's a must. You have the personnel to do it. You have to take advantage of it. You have to. You have to have those things. You need, and you need them just on. You need them on every down. It can't just be you do it five, six, seven, eight, nine, tens again. It needs to be almost. It needs to be like 80 percent of your runs need to have RPOs tied in, because you you have the talent to do it, and it would keep teams honest. And now all of a sudden, it's it also protects your offensive line. And now maybe a good offensive line becomes a great offensive line because they're constantly in favorable numbers. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's a big part of it is getting in favorable numbers. Let's actually, let's kind of, let's just kind of, let's just do some, a little fun thought experiment events. Oh, I like to pull up that. I'm going to pull up that, uh, that play that we were looking at earlier. Yes. So let's just say, let's say we get rid of that guy. Sorry, <laughs> Tommy. Got nothing but love for you. Right. <laughs> and you, and you put a receiver here. Okay. So not get rid of that guy. And you have to put him. Yeah, he's got he's got right. a bump out. He's got to be out there. You just can't leave okay. him uncovered. Yeah, right. So just that just that move alone, right? To me, helps out because now if you're going to play Notre Dame this way, okay, this guy is now in a, in a spot. Okay, is he going to help out over here where you have your your stud tight end and Javon McKinley, your two best receivers? Okay, well if he's going to do that because they're playing tight down here, this guy's in tight coverage. This guy's yeah. in tight coverage, right? Well, that's a matchup I like. So if I'm Jack Cohn or if I'm Ian Book, at the snap of the ball, I'm looking to my left 
trying to get this safety down here you got because I got some ISO 101s eyes. down here, right? Absolutely. So that's just one way right there with that one formational shift right there because now if this guy is going to drop and this guy is have to play there, you know, now you've got some things where you can run inside zone here and now you've got a nice little potential for a cutback lane here, right? I mean, so there's some things that you can do there. And then if this guy wants to peek inside, you can just pull it, throw a little bubble screen out here or something like that, right? I mean, you've got you've got some yeah, advantages. And then absolutely. if you're going to be hitting with the perimeter screens here, the quick outs there, now this guy who's playing was about eight yards off the ball, eight, nine yards off the ball, this guy right here, he's got to come down a little bit, okay? And then what tends to happen is now instead of having this safety down here, it's getting a little bit, uh, little bit cluttered. So let's get let's get rid of some of that. So right, so this guy's gone. This guy's gone. You got a receiver out here to DB out here, right? Well, now you're spread out a little bit more. It's pretty risky having this guy down here. So what most likely would happen is this safety would move here, and this and guy would have to come back. back. Mm -hmm. And now you've got another guy out of the box. Now I like my box. Now yeah. I like my numbers. So yeah. now my 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 six blockers here are are, are going against six blocks since six defenders there. Right. Okay. And most and, of the time, if you're running, if you're running read zone or, or something along those lines, one of those guys isn't even blocked. So now you've got six for five. Right. Because there's right. somebody that has to be the read man. Right. But, and that that's that's a numbers game that you're playing. Right. Now, here's the another thing to, to look at it. Let's just go with what Notre Dame actually did. Okay. So you're running the football here. So let's say you're gonna run a read zone here. So you're gonna block, block. Here's another reason RPOs are down. Why is this guy down? Why is this defender right here so so aggressively down in the box? Because he's playing the run. Why is this guy so deep? Because he's he's what 15 yards off the ball. These two guys are making sure that he's not running down the field. Okay. So now you get called an RPO. He's blocking, so he steps down. Well, now all of a sudden I got a nice little one-on-one -on -one yeah. that I like over here with Javon McKinley, whether it be whether it be a go route off an RPO, whether it be a quick post off an RPO where these guys come down, these guys come down, these guys come down. This guy, this this guy back here, right here, this safety right here, if we're showing run right there, inside run, these guys are going to come down. That's how they're going to play it. Otherwise, you're just going to gash them all day with four and five yard runs. Right. This guy's going to play. He's going to have to pedal back that you don't, you know, he, that's just who he's going to be. All of a sudden, Javon McKinley can bang a post here. Well, that post can bend inside depending on what this guy does. So if he stays back, then you just bang that quick. The quarterback's going to hit him right out of his break, right? You could also do a similar thing here. You could kind of do a post here, and you could do something there off an RPO. Let me clean this up a little bit. You could clean. You could do something here where you get this post here, and then you bang a post, a little quick post, like a skinny post, or I mean, a, a quick post, you call it a glance, whatever you want to do. And you're basically reading that safety to figure out where he's going to go. If he drops to the right, well, you got one-on-one. -on -one. If he drops to the left, you still have one-on-one. So, right. Yeah. right. And then you pull it and you throw it. And again, right? it's a I mean, one, it's a one player read, which is that guy. not difficult to do. A college quarterback can make a one player read. Right. Okay. Right. And essentially, I mean, and if these guys aren't coming up and playing the run, then you're just handing the ball off. Yeah, right. I mean, that's the thing is right. you're going to have your read key, right? So, like, you know, whether you're handing the ball off, most your likely run, yeah, be here, key. Yeah. right? Yeah. Here, here, depending on what kind of, you know, what call you're going to make, that's going to be your, as far as you're pulling off. But then once you pull, you're just throwing away from that guy. 
you know, you, you like your one-on-ones. And look, Notre Dame had plenty of success winning one-on-ones against Clemson's corners last year. There, there's no doubt about it. They sure. were open plenty of times in this yes, game. Yes, they were. Yes, they were. Uh, ben, ben Skoranek should have had about four or five more catches in this game than what he did. Javon McKinley should have had about four or five more catches than what he did. Just on times they were open on the plays they actually called. Right. That's right. a different conversation for a different day. But now I'm sudden <laughs> Clemson's in a bind, right? So, okay, so we know that Notre Dame is 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 going to line up in two tight ends, but we know Notre Dame has no problem calling RPOs, whether it be quick stuff, right, or deep stuff. Or one on ones, we have no. We know that Notre Dame is not afraid to to call that. Or you know what Notre Dame could also do is run an RPO. You're run a again. It's not always RPOs. It's also we're going to run a quick thing here where you're going to delay and then run him right up the seam because we got you playing hard downhill against our run. Okay, this guy's. There's no way that guy can get over there unless he just takes off. And then I'm, I got that right. But now all of a sudden you run, read, 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 you know, you carry out that fake and then you just quickly pull and just throw it right behind the linebackers to Michael Mayer running down the field. <laughs> right. And then yeah. you'd run Javon like on a little quick out to take that corner because you, you don't want to run a deep route there because if you run a deep route on that particular play, then that corner opens and runs with you and then he can squeeze on that, that route to Michael Mayer. Right. So you'd run, since they're clearly like a cover one type of look, you'd run a quick out there. He's going to take it and then. That's, you know, you can hit it. I mean, so there's so many things that you can do out of this. Oh, where, yeah. And this is what we talked about scheming for success. Okay, you want to put eight in a box? This is what we're going to do to beat you. You have, you know? you have to punish RPOs teams doing that. RPOs have to be a big part of that, yeah. right? Yeah. Because here's the thing is what you don't want to necessarily do is, like, well, we called, we called inside zone here. They got us outnumbered, you know, or the numbers aren't great. I mean, you know, what, what do you audible? Do the quarterback check? And then now they have a chance to check. Hey, they checked, and so you know the check causes Kyron Williams to step up this way. Well, now if Kyron Williams, you know, he checks and he gets he steps up over here pre-snap, they know that he's now getting into a a pass blocking alignment. They can make a check, and then they can kind of be loose. You know, he can kind of take a step out there, right? Well, then what do you do? Do you check again back into the run, and then they're just going to move right back in? That's why RPOs are so important because you don't have to make a check. Right? Hey, look, we've got built-in calls. Now, there are things that you can do, like uh, Oklahoma and Alabama both do this, where the quarterback and the receiver will actually communicate, and he'll give them a sign, hey, here's what I want you to run that right here. You know, so if this if this cornerback was off, he would just tell Javon, like, hey, look, just give me, you know, just, you know, give me a little, you know, quick out, and just bam, and it's stealing, just a little five, six easy yeah, yards. Right? exactly. Or if he's playing up, like, hey, you know, I want to I want to take it over the top. So I'm, I mean, just I'm just making up signals of, of what you can use. And then you know I'm reading. We do that it. in high school. Yeah, yeah. I mean, or you have a glance, or you know whatever the case you have over here, yeah. whatever the case may be. And and those are the things that you do, right? And then then you can have some fun with it, you know. So if this guy's playing like this, what you a lot of times you do is he's playing off, so that way he can aggressively attack quick stuff. So he'll kind of flat foot and then drive. So if he sees a slant, he's going to drive on it and then you know sluggo, right? So those are things that you can all do to be successful. Yep. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's, that, that's why these things are so effective because it's kind of like if you're a balanced team and again, this we talk about, you have to be balanced. You have to be able to beat teams both ways. Cause if you're, if you're doing RPOs, but you stink at throwing the football, 
they're not going to be afraid of it. Like, good, exactly. throw the ball. We want you to throw the ball. Yeah, right? exactly. It's not like when Navy throws. It's like, okay, good, Navy's throwing. They're not running the triple option. That's what we want. That's a win for us. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you're not good at running, if you're not good at throwing the football or running the football, it, it doesn't matter because they're not going to play you this way. They're, you're not going to see these boxes if you have really good pass game, but you can't run the football. They're going to be like, fine, line up, run the ball, right? Mm-hmm. Like USC tried to do that to Notre Dame in 2019. And and USC came out and they second half they were just running the ball. Well, Notre Dame was kind of like, well, we'll let you do that because eventually they ran out of clock, right? right? There wasn't the, you know, because that's not who you are. That's not what you do. We'll we'll, we'll let you run the ball up the middle for 10, 12 right. yards. What we're not going to let you do is beat us for a fifty yard touchdown pass exactly. to Amon Ross St. Brown or Tyler right. Tyler Bonds or Michael Pittman, right? Which is their strength. You got to take away the strength. Right. I, I right. Told, yeah, absolutely. And the right and and here's here's another thing that I talk. You leave that up there for me, Brian, if yeah. you would. Sure. Um, in this formation, right, they're not worried about Notre Dame using the perimeter, okay, right. in the pass game. Because in this exact formation, if you didn't change anything, throw it right now to Ben Skoranek right. or whoever that receiver is right now, right? right. It's one-on-one, shake and bake. You're going to get five yards right now. Right. You know what I mean? Like, they're not afraid of that, though, because Notre right. Dame didn't show them that they could use, and that's why he's playing the way he's playing. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Are you, now right. you're telling me that you put Xavier Watts out there. You put name name the Notre Dame wide receiver, right? That you could put out there right now. You throw him that look pass right now. I like Notre Dame's chances in well, one on look pass. That's what you're talking about. So that's the one. This guy is nine yards off the ball. Correct. Well, you're talking about it's a quarterback just catching. He's not even throw doing it. a run fake. He's just catching just it and quickly right throwing. Now. And yes. it's just he just kind of look. You just turn. Yes. Okay. So this guy may come up and make the tackle for three or four yards. Okay, that's okay. going to happen. But here, what happens if that one time this guy, you know, Lawrence Keys or Xavier Watts or Avery Davis makes that guy miss, or Kevin Austin makes that guy miss? Right. right? He exactly. stiff arms him. You know. Now all of a sudden. You got this guy coming from way over here and this yeah. guy coming from here. Yep. We've already seen what happens to Nolan Turner when he gets Notre Dame players in space. Yeah. This jock strap is still at about the 40 <laughs> yard line from what exactly. Kyron Williams did to him in that game. Right. Exactly. So, so, so you guys see what we're saying? Like, right. this is what we're saying. That's why RPOs are so important because right. Right. you have built in things and you don't have to get into that chess game with your quarterback of audible to, if they do this, you check to this. If they do that, you check to that. If they come here, you check that. No, look, We've built this in. You have three options. You can give them a look. You can give them a slant. You can give them an out, or if, you know, or or you can give them an, an out and a fake. I mean, whatever the the looks are against those certain looks, and then he can okay here. I'm going here, but he still look. If, you, if we got numbers or this guy does this, we're still handing the ball off, and then that allows you to also then go more tempo because you don't have to stop. You don't have to judge. You don't have to move Tommy Trumbull outside, right? I mean, it, none of that stuff is important. Now, all of a sudden, it's, it's you know, you kind of like where you're at. And here's the other thing I like about this, too, Vince. If I if I remember correctly, I'm going to look this up just to be sure. But I believe that this player right here is a uh, linebacker. Let me just look this up real quick. I am correct on that. This guy right here, it's a linebacker. That is Mike Jones. It's no a good problem. linebacker. Sure. But here's another thing I'd like to see Notre Dame do more. If he goes out here, mm-hmm. who's going yeah. with him? Right. It's going to be that guy right there. You brought your safety down to the boundary. Your safety's now matched up with Michael Mayer. You have a linebacker matched up against Kyron Williams. I will take either one of those matchups. Absolutely. 
right? And those and are some of the things about scheming for success that we yes. talked about. You, right. you know, we lined up, we got them in the box. They're going to do this. And all of a sudden you, you put Chris Ty Kyron Tyree, Kyron Tyree. It's a good name. Chris Williams or Kyron Tyree. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so, um, you know, that that's, that's kind of where you look at it and say, okay, those are matchups that you really like. Yes. And, and, and you have to be willing to do more of that stuff. And I think that's something we are going to see more of. And I, and I think part of the reason we didn't see it last year is because again, no one knew going into the season that Cotton Williams was going to be what Cotton Williams was. Right. So you don't necessarily build, I mean, start fall camp. He was like their what third running back. Right. I mean, uh, he emerged as their top guy, but it wasn't like they spent the whole offseason. How do we build our offense around Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree? They were both unproven commodities. Sure. Talented, absolutely. but unproven commodities. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not necessarily going to just do a lot of this stuff. And they did some of that stuff during the season. BC, they did some of that interesting stuff, but they didn't do it enough, in, in my opinion, in some of these games. And those are things that you do early in the game to maybe get them into you know, where maybe they start putting their, their, their safety down here and they put their linebacker over here. Okay. Well then now you get into some things where you like that in the run game because sure. they can't do that. Cause they know that we're going to do this. Right. Well, and then the other part when you talk about this is now you have this linebacker on your number two tight end. Right. So then that's the other thing is, you know, you run a vertical here, you run a vertical there, and then you run like a little, some kind of ISO route here with, with my, with, uh, with Kyron Williams, okay, what does this safety do? He can't help. If he helps outside, you now have Takis running down that seam against the linebacker, right? That's Great a matchup. matchup I like. Yeah. Uh, if he stays help over here, then you've now got Kyron against Mike Williams in that matchup, or you've got this matchup, you know, with Lindsey or Watts or Keys or whatever. So there's just a lot of things you can do um, from a you know this motion shift scheming your way into success but at the end of the day rpos have to be a part of that so that's yeah. number that's one thing that Notre Dame has to do we kind of also hit on the other thing i think Notre Dame needs to be real multiple i would like to see them pare down the the uh volume of of calls yeah and expand the usage of formations personnel and motions mm -hmm. right i would like to see them do more of that less less concepts more different ways of showing those concepts which can be window it dressing difficult. it's right. it's window dressing but it also uh you know all those different all those different formations and 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 motions and things of that nature allow you to get into matchups that are beneficial to you right, right. and that's what Alabama did against Notre Dame right they they right. matched up their Heisman trophy winning uh you know wide receiver in in positive ways right they mm -hmm. that's what Clemson did they they matched up their best receiver against Notre Dame's uh, biggest liability in the defensive backfield, right? From formations and motions. And and that's what's so important about that. That's why that's important. Right. And then the third piece for me is schematically, I want to see Notre Dame do more movement routes. And I'm going to explain what I mean. I'm going to use this Clemson as an example because it's a little bit better formation instead of finding another Notre Dame formation. You'll understand. Notre Dame does a lot of uh, vertical stationary routes. So a lot of sits a lot of stops and comebacks right there's a time and a place for that but i would like to see notre dame do more stuff vince that gets them constantly moving so more of this more of this more things where they're where they're moving more pivots Ca there's a lot the of ball moving as getting opposed the defense to running stopped yeah, right. right now 
part of it is obviously you kind of mentioned it, Vince, is you want to get your guys moving. But the other part of it is I want the defense to always be moving too. Mm-hmm. So if I'm running, if I'm running this concept here, right, they sink and underneath they kind of have it played. Okay, then I'm like, you know, moving in and out, but you're not really an option there. It's hard to move five yards. Right. And then now what do I got back here? Let's say I got a high low concept back here. Well, I mean, that can be a little bit easier to play. You but then you have to throttle down because you can't go all the way across because these guys are running stationary routes. It it makes for a in an it makes it a little bit it used to be better to do that stuff back in the day because you'd face more tight boxes. And so you could run a lot of curl flat concepts and things like that. Sure. It's a little bit harder to do now because of teams are already spread out so much. Now, Notre Dame still should have hit a couple curl flats in that ACC title game, including one on third and 10 that if Ian Book just throws the ball like like normal, Ben Skoranek catches it and it's moving the chains. But what you're going to see a lot of teams do is they're going to do a lot of uh, – just a lot of movement events, and that's, that's something that I want to see more of is more of this kind of stuff more of this kind of stuff, you know, things where you're, you're just, you're getting guys moving more. You're, you're doing things to run people off and then bring guy, you know, then bring a guy here or Mm -hmm. here, depending on what they do, you know? So you could, you could do something here where you're going to, you're going to run this guy out here. So you've ran off this guy, you've ran off this guy, you ran off this guy and you ran, you know, so you got those three guys are back. Well, then what are we going to do with these two guys? Okay. So how can we influence them? Okay. So this guy is out because he, he ran off there. So then you say, well, what can we do with this back to get these guys influenced? So we're going to do our back like this. Will they influence more to that? If he does a swing out here, will they be more influenced by that? So like, so this swing route right here, will he be more influenced by that? What's going to cause these guys to fly because then that's going to open up this or, if this guy swings, we know these guys are going to drop hard. So then we can bring him on a little bit more of a shallow. And so then we can isolate this guy. Okay. So then let's say we know that this guy is going to drop and let me clear off some of this stuff. So let's say if you know that you're going to get this guy here, this guy's going to drop, then now you're ISO on this guy, this guy's back too. Okay. So then how do you want to ISO him? Do you want to ISO him here and here where you get to get him an immediate jump and then you can kind of get something out in here or, what I kind of like is bringing, he's going to come down here to play that. And then you can kind of bring this guy right over top. But we've seen Bama kills people with this. Mm-hmm. It's not, but I mean, you're just, you're running people up, but it's all movement stuff. It's not, right. you know, run a 12 yard stop route. It's let's get people running. Notre Dame does some of this. And when they've done it, it's been pretty effective. I'd like to see them run even more of this kind of stuff. Uh, but that's that scheming for success thing. And I think those are concepts that I think we could see Notre Dame do more of that, in my opinion, would be would be really effective. And and again, it's not anything new that they haven't shown before. It's just emphasizing. It's emphasizing it more. And this is what I'm saying. There's nothing new that Notre Dame needs to add to their offense. There's not a scheme. There's not like right. Awesome. Yeah, I mean they they may say you know what man we 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 saw Oklahoma run this counter stuff right and they do it a little differently than us. So let's go talk to them about right yeah. about you know so why do you you know we like to run counter back to the one technique you guys always run into the three technique what why is that you know or hey you know you we do counter tray with the with the the guard and the the backside tight end you guys do it with you know, the guard and the tackle. Well, aren't you worried about this backside guy here crashing? Well, yeah, we are. That's why we do this with it. 
oh, okay, cool. That makes a lot of sense. Right. Yeah, I think we can add that. But you already have the counter trade concept built in. You're just going to – it's a wrinkle to it, right? There's no there's no pass plays you need to add necessarily. It may, look, there's always stuff you're going to add. You, man, I saw the Rams do this concept with McVay, and you know, I think we could add that because we already kind of do something similar, and we have this type of personnel, and we'd have to tinker it a little bit. But, but I really like that. You're going to add little things like that. Everybody does. Mm-hmm. But you don't need to re- revolutionize your offense. It's take what you have, and it's just shifting your emphasis from one thing to another. And that's the thing that, that makes me encourage that this could happen quickly. And I was having a conversation with with somebody the other day, and we were talking about you know, LSU and, and Notre Dame. And guy made a good point. He's like, look, you know, LSU was successful because they had – three first-round draft pick caliber players at receiver, and they had Joe Burrow's number overall pick and a first-round player at receiver. And I said, yeah, you're right. And I said, number one, I'm not I'm not saying Notre Dame should have to score 49 points a game. Number two, in 2018, none of those guys looked like first-round picks. Right. Because they ran an offense that was not conducive to playing to their talents. They go bring in Joe Brady. They'd shift their offense. they build around that talent, and all of a sudden – these guys that let average 32 points a game. I mean, Joe Burrow put Same, up Jack Cone numbers in 2018. He put up Jack Cone numbers in 2018, okay? He put up Ian Book 2020 numbers in 2018. A year later, he has the most dynamic season a quarterback has ever had in college football history. Right. Same right. guy, same talent, same everything. Right, right. And th- but they, re- they revolutionized their offense. Notre Dame doesn't have to do that, in my opinion. They just have to shift an emphasis. And if they do that, I think you're going to see this team get up to that 38 to 42 points per game that they're capable of being. If they just get better on red zone, I, I did this number, Vince. If Notre Dame had the same touchdown red zone percentage last year that they had in 2019, they would have scored 38 points a game. Not more red zone trips, not just touchdown ratio more success that's 38 points per game okay well then now what do you do to get that 38 to then get it to 42 and 43 so red zone success is going to take you part of the way right as long as you maintain your good third down percentage and those kind of things to that next level you have to then say okay now what do we do to not just building the third down success and the red zone success but now what we can we do to become a more explosive offense so the red zone piece will get Notre Dame part of the way right no doubt but then it's about creating more expl- a more explosive offense, which then gets you to that that another four or five points that you need. But more importantly, it gets you to the point where now you can threaten Alabama, you can threaten Clemson, you can threaten those teams offensively to where you can keep your defense in the game long enough for them to go out and make – because here's the thing. Notre Dame has not been in the game yet where their defense could win it or lose it in the second half in right. these moments. I want to see what their defense can do in those moments. Make that stop. We saw it against Clemson. The one time they've been in that situation, well, really two. The defense really gave them plenty. Gave the in, in recent seasons, and I'm talking like the last three, four years. Sure. The defense gave Notre Dame's offense chance after chance after chance in the fourth quarter against Georgia in 2019. To the point where on the last Georgia drive of the game, the defense pinned Georgia back so bad, forced Georgia to punt. Gave the offense the ball with le- about two minutes left in Georgia territory. You can't ask for anything better than that, right? Clemson, LSU, uh, 2019 LSU, Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State, those teams are taking that ball and they're going right down and they're putting it in the end zone and winning, winning the ball game. Notre Dame couldn't. They didn't even get a field goal. Attempt. I mean, they couldn't kick a field goal. because They didn't get a first down. Yeah. 
And then you look at last year, uh, in my opinion, the offense gave the defense a chance, right? Well, the defense gave the offense a chance late. People forget that. If Clemson gets one first down late in the game, it's ball game. Remember, I mean, because Notre Dame got the ball back late in the game, but if that's because the defense came up with stops, Clemson had to punt. Right. Right? And so, and then you look at overtime, the offense gate, get, let's get in overtime. Let's see what our defense can do. And the defense made the plays. They did. Right? And and the offense, you know, so so that's the thing is the defense can win you some games if your offense can keep you in it. That's going to be the key. Can the offense keep them in it in those big games? And that's what I'm excited to see, Vince, this year is I think that this is what the Notre Dame offense can be, what they're capable of, and I'm hoping that we're going to – personnel's there. You said it earlier. The personnel, in, in our opinion, is yes. there. There's a lot of athletes on the field for Notre Dame this year. A lot of guys can do damage in some of the situations that we talked about. Now it's about are you going to put them in position to allow them to be that successful. So, Vince, that is going to be it for this portion of the podcast. Don't go anywhere because we're not done yet, okay? This is just for this part of the podcast. We're going to do a quick football 101, and then we're going to dive into some questions. So, if you're listening via podcast, obviously, thank you for listening. Look for these the second parts of the show the, the later. If you're listening on YouTube, then just hang with us for a second, and we're going to get right to that stuff. But before you leave, make sure that you hit the like button, subscribe to our channel, and hit the notification bell so you know when our show is going to be up. And, uh, and share, share this with your friends. And of course, sign up for the Irish Breakdown message boards because those are rocking and rolling. You're going to see those down there at boards.irishbreakdown.com. Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.